0: We're glad you joined us today. We know the road may feel isolating, but we are here to go along this journey with you and love the call to action. Ruck Up Buttercup is a podcast hosted by Deployed Love. Where we're going to join together and chat about all things military life. So you know the drill, Ruck Up Buttercup. Hey everybody, welcome back to Ruck Up Buttercup. This month At Deployed Love and on our podcast, we are kind of talking about mental health and self-care and how easy it is to give and give to other people and not take time for ourselves and how important it really is, especially if you're in a deployment season to make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you can take care of your family, so you can take care of your spouse who's deployed. So today I am here co-hosting with Odonna. She's a full-time mom and a part-time counselor and coach. So she's been doing Christian counseling for over a decade. Would you like to go ahead and kind of tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I have, I've been doing Christian counseling for about 12 years, I guess at this point, coaching is something I've been doing more recently. I've been involved with mops, mothers of preschoolers for the last, I think six years. And I've lived here in the Columbus, Georgia area for my entire life with the exception of going to school in Macon for four years. So I've, I've known a lot of military moms and a lot of military families, even though I myself am not a military family. My dad actually served in the Navy, but that was before I was born. So I don't really have personal experience with the military life, but I have a lot of clients that are involved in the military. We can definitely talk about some things that we can do to keep your, you know, yourself as healthy as possible, especially during those seasons of deployment.
0: Yeah say, I was the same. My dad and my grandparents, both my grandfathers were both active duty, but well before I ever even knew them, you know? So I didn't have it until we got married and then learned very, very quickly the military life, because not only that, like, but we got married and then he deployed within like six months after we got married. And that was kind of why we rushed into getting the marriage done because I was like, I I don't want to be not living near your unit and stuff like that when this is happening, Mm -hmm. because FRG is a huge support system and for me not to have had that and to live in a different state would have been crazy, crazy for us. So it was good that we rushed into it. And I mean, we've been married for 12 years now, so I guess it wasn't a bad thing to do. And it was nice to have the support. I know that that first year during that deployment, the FRGs were a lot bigger then, and it was amazing to have the support system there. And it's important to have that too. So
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the most important things that you guys have to have. I mean, no matter where you go, whether you're living on post or off post, you've got to have a support system in place. And whether that's through what the military can provide, because I know there are numerous organizations that the military sort of sponsors or hosts on post. There are a lot of other organizations in the community, because I know like here, you know, even though Benning is close by, Columbus has lots of opportunities for military families to get involved and support each other. So I think that's a really important step in self-care
0: mm-hmm. for the whole family, really. Really? Yeah. And I I was also part of MOPS and you'd mentioned being part of MOPS. And if that's it's one of the easiest ones to get involved with, I mean, you just go to the church and sign up and they're open to pretty much anybody joining that. So absolutely. And I know it's nice because they have childcare. So if it's an issue where your child's really young and it's hard to, hard to find babysitter to get a time for mm-hmm. yourself, that's a place where you can put them in childcare and have an hour or so with other people that are going through the same thing so
1: absolutely yeah, it's a great resource
0: yeah so I mentioned before that we're going to chat about anxiety and depression especially during deployment so we'll kind of start with anxiety and you can kind of explain like what that is and how that affects us especially as you go through a time where you're separated from loved ones
1: yeah so <clears throat> anxiety is the most common mental illness in the U.S. and over the last year, especially um, since COVID, since the shutdown, we've seen a drastic increase in the number of cases of anxiety. And I think that's circumstantial, obviously, but I think also it's sort of forced people to sort of look at their lives and under a different microscope than what we've lived under previously. In the past, we've been so busy, we've not really had time to think about what we were nervous about or what we were worried about. And now that, you know, we've kind of been forced to sort of sit at home with our thoughts, I think our thoughts have been able to kind of run rampant. And really that's kind of a good picture of anxiety. Anxiety is kind of an, it's sort of your mind gets into overdrive. And so you're thinking fast, you have this tendency to sort of spiral. So you, you might have one bad thought and then that bad thought takes you to to another one, to another one, to another one, to another one, to another one. And it's It's just this downward spiral into almost like an abyss. Like you just can't see yourself out of it. The great thing is though, there is a lot of help for anxiety, you know, and, and more and more help becomes available every day. And it's really, if you think about like stress overload, like the best description is kind of like stress on steroids. Mm -hmm. If you live in a perpetual state of stress and you're not managing that stress, it's going to be real easy for you to tip over into that anxiety spectrum. We can, you know, there are lots of studies. You can read the research. There's, there's research that supports there's a genetic component. We know that there is a genetic component. If your mother, if your father, if your brother, if your sister, someone in your family is anxious, has been diagnosed with anxiety, you have a higher
0: chance of it, chance
1: of being yeah. diagnosed with anxiety that's not a guarantee. That's not to say you will get anxiety during your lifetime, but there's a higher rate of, of prevalence among family members. But typically there's a precipitating event. So I kind of think about it like a light switch. Like, so if you have anxiety in your family and then you undergo this incredibly stressful period of time as an adult, it's very possible that that light switch gets flipped on. And then even after the precipitating result is, event is over, you may still have some anxiety that you're carrying around with you. And that doesn't mean that you're broken or that you didn't deal with what happened. It's just all of a sudden that little switch was flipped. Yeah, in your and your brain realized because, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just like it all of a sudden it just kind of happens. And so of course at that point there's there's lots of treatment options available. And that, you know, there's so many different anxiety types. We I mean, right now I'm kind of focusing more on like generalized anxiety disorder. And um, we're, most of us are pretty familiar with panic disorder. That's very common obsessive compulsive disorder is, is kind of grouped into that category as well. The phobias. I mean, you know, there's so many different types.
0: I can relate to the anxiety because that's one of the biggest things that I get during deployment. My husband deploys pretty frequently and we're actually coming up on one pretty soon. And my stress levels go high because I have to plan for the, that entire time that he's gone to be a single parent for that time being and to also cover everything at work to cover I mean luckily this deployment's over summer so we don't have to worry about homeschool stuff but I mean during during the school year it's also covering homeschool on top of all that and so that stress piles up like you were saying and I you know all of a sudden I just I don't sleep for days Mm -hmm. and generally once he's left it gets a little bit better but I know it's just that like you have no control of it. And I know that's the biggest thing about the military is you don't have control of anything. You don't know what day they're actually leaving. You don't know what day they're actually coming back. You don't know. So it's trying to plan around all that can cause that anxiety to just go crazy.
1: Yeah. That uncertainty about the future is a big one. And It's almost, it's terrible to say, but it's almost like the military sort of, you're sort of built into an environment to kind of create anxiety because there's so much uncertainty. I mean, even if you did know what day they were leaving and where they, when they'd come back, you would have no idea where they were going or, you know, like if they would be there the whole time, or there's so many variables that go into being a military spouse. And that's, you know, it's just an environment that's set for anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, the big thing that people can take away is you're not alone in this, you know, no, absolutely not. like I said earlier, anxiety is the most common mental illness in the U.S. If you go and talk to five people on the street and you're vulnerable and open and honest and say, hey, I'm really struggling with anxiety. Chances are good. One of them is going to go, you know what, me too. Yeah. I, that's just the reality of the world that we live in. And I bet if we were to gather a group of military spouses together that number
0: would be even higher. Yeah. Yeah. High percentage of those people. <laughs> yes. I mean, even if you don't do deployments regularly, you think about just anything them being in the field, uh, training exercises can result in accidents and stuff like if There's just a constant, it's being thrown at you constantly, just different things that you have no control over. And I think that loss of control is really where it sparks a lot of people's anxiety.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and even planning vacations, planning to move, planning to, I mean, even though you know you're going, you may not know that you're going until like the week before. So, you know, you know, you have this season that you're kind of trying to plan, but on the flip side, you don't want to live out of a box. So it, there's everything about military life is sort of this uncertain place, which breeds anxiety, right? even in the best people, even in the most normal, genetically benign, no anxiety people. I think that environment just just sort of breathes anxiety because of all the uncertainty that's unfolding around you every day
0: yeah. you and knowing but know that you do have with your within your military family people that are going through it with you and mm-hmm. then you don't have to just suffer from it I mean it's mm-hmm. it's really rough on your body to just let it sit there and not do anything about it so you were talking there's some treatment options and also probably some self-coping that maybe you can tell us about
1: Absolutely. And I the physical symptoms, I think that's a really important one to talk about. I recently had a client that came to see me and she started detailing all these physical health problems that she had. No doctor could tell her what was going on. And we, we started chatting a little bit. I was like, you have anxiety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like blueprint. I can't believe a doctor hasn't already told you this. But you know, it, it can cause gastric distress, it can cause heart attacks if if, if left untreated, strokes. You know, it just, it wreaks havoc on your body in all sorts of ways. So it's important that you have a support system. You know, I think especially as, as military spouses, it's important that you have somebody you can trust with your kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been privileged because I am not military and I live where my parents and my in-laws live. So we've, we've always kind of got somebody around that can keep our kids as military spouses. It's really important that you guys have that network. That even though your family may not be nearby, you sort of create a family where you are. And, you know, you kind of trade off kids. So like you give your kids to a neighbor today and you get a day of self-care and then you swap out so they get a day of self-care. And that self-care could look different for everybody. You know, one of the things I always tell people is what have you, what do you enjoy that you haven't done in a long time? And, And that's varied. I mean, that can be anything from like going to get a massage to staying at home and pulling out a craft. You know, it doesn't have to cost you a ton of money. Sometimes it's just going for a walk around the block where nobody's calling your name.
0: Yeah. And you're not (laughs) having to worry about a kid on a bike or yeah, for sure.
1: Or you don't have somebody strapped to your chest or they you're Mm -hmm. pushing in a stroller just so you can be alone with your own thoughts. That's a really big form of self-care. And I'm a really big supporter of getting outside. There's something about vitamin D that's just good for us. It's good for anxiety. It's good for depression. And it just kind of reminds us of our place in the world. You know, that we're not in this place alone. I mean, if we sit in our house and I think, you know, that's kind of what's happened over the last year, we sort of sat in our house and kind of forgot there were other people out there. If you get out of your house and you're going outside, you're bound to run into some other people, Mm -hmm. you know, you're bound to see, okay, there are other people around that are, you know, going through the same thing I am. And if you have that support system where you can kind of trade off kids, that's probably going to be another spouse that you can talk to and be like, you know what, I'm really struggling right now really having a hard time and chances are good. They're going, you know what? I've been there. I've done that. Or me too, you know, because I know sometimes they kind of group you guys and you all go at once. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of experiencing those days of uncertainty together. In a lot Yeah. Of- and
0: that's, that's a great place to find your network is either through that FRG where they are going to be at the same time through going through deployments and stuff or deployed love. We have our events where we have meetups and though a lot of the families that come out to those as well are of course deployed. So you can find that person that's, knows what's going on. I think it's important. It's fun to have friends that are in the community that may just be there and they can also be a great support system, but it's also, I think, very significant to have somebody that's in your support system that's military because they'll understand, that, that the uncertainty, because you can't really get that until you've lived it, like the, you don't know what's going to happen next type thing. So.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think that's a really big part of it. You need somebody that's been there that understands. hmm um, outside of that support network and, and that self-care piece, which I think are those are like your top two, if, if you're looking at ways to sort of safeguard yourself against anxiety, those are kind of the big two you need to, you need to focus on. But Then what happens when you are feeling anxious and you kind of flipped over that bubble, don't negate a good counselor. I mean, you're in the military, you have benefits, make sure you're taking advantage of those. Yeah. Um, you know, there are lots of resources. In addition to like counselors like me who take insurance, like TRICARE, there are also, you know, places just on base that are available to you. Military One Source is a great resource that you guys can reach out to. The military, the National Military Family Association, um, they're advocates for military families and founded by military spouses. They're going to help you find some mental health resources where you are. And if you have a good primary care physician, and I know sometimes that can be difficult when you're moving around a lot, but if you have a good primary care physician, that's a really great resource too. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times you can just call them and be like, hey, look, I need somebody to talk to. And they're going to be able to send you to somebody that you know is on your insurance that's going to be covered. You don't have to worry about paying for But also if it gets to a point where counseling isn't enough, or even if you're so severe that you don't think you can wait for an appointment they've got medications that they can prescribe. And and I'm not talking about, you know, like the medications of, you know, our grandmothers where, you know, they were zombies. These are medications that allow you to function, you know? I mean, for a lot of people, medication allows them to live a somewhat functional life, whereas anxiety can be debilitating, you know, if it's not treated. So I think those are important things to remember, making sure you get a good counselor. And I, I say a good counselor, obviously make sure they're licensed, if you have, you know, people in the area that, you know, ask for somebody that they recommend, you know, I mean, if you're on Facebook or Instagram or any of those places, um, yes, Twitter, for sure, just post yeah. and be like, Hey, who knows a good counselor? I'm looking for one.
0: Yeah. People another good resource them. I can <laughs> throw out there right now. And I don't know how many bases they're at or where at, but I know they at least have one here at Fort Bragg. And I think there are a few other bases the, is the Cohen Clinic. They do completely free counseling all the time for anybody military associated I think they're working on getting actual active duty soldiers able to come, but that's kind of been where they can't because of TRICARE, but they're available. And it's like, I think they even take walk-ins. So it's just to the point of like, if you really want to reach out to this resource as well, it's another one that is available and you don't really have to, you know, know them. You don't have to know anything to do with your battalion. Cause I think a lot of that, the issues with working with your primary that people are worried about with counseling is, is this going to get back to command? that there's an issue or whatever. And so you can always find those outside resources where you're not, you pay out of pocket or whatever it is that makes you feel more comfortable as well. So
1: absolutely. Absolutely. The big thing is that you're willing to go ask for help. Mm -hmm. That's always the big thing. It's there's, there's always been a stigma behind it, but we're starting to move out of that and move away from that. and, And we're normalizing mental health because we should.
0: Mm-hmm. And we all show. we all have something that is different, you know that we're all going through different things. So yes.
1: I, think I firmly so. believe there is a point in time for where everybody will go to counseling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, at some point in your life, you're gonna need a counselor. I mean, I've been to counseling. I was account- in counseling for you know almost a year. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life, which sort of led me into this space (laughs) where I do counseling. I was kind of already on that path, but that kind of concreted it for me. Like, that's what I want to do. That's, that's where I feel God is calling me to to serve. I know here at Fort Benning, and it it probably is this way at other bases, and maybe this is sort of like the Cohen Center. I'm not sure, but we have something called the Family Life Center and the chaplains do counseling with, Mm -hmm. you know, the families and, and, um, soldiers here. And so, I, the only thing that I've heard is that there again, there's some hesitation to do that because it's on base. They're afraid that they're going to get back to their commanders. Yeah. I
0: think when you, if an issues come up and they bring them to needing to go to counseling, a lot of that runs through the chaplains. And I know that 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 can be mm. concerned. It may not be so much a concern for spouses as it is for like soldiers that do need to seek counseling and they don't want it to their personal information too leak. I mean obviously mm. those chaplains have you know they have to have some security. It's your medical, you know, your medical life. So they they're not likely to actually leak it, but it is concerning when you you know they work very closely within your command. But mm. um, it is a free resource and it's always been there. And it's something that if if it's just minor things like anxiety where you just want someone to talk to and someone to help you figure out ways to cope with it that it's there and it's available so yeah,
1: it's a great resource to have and they they refer out into the community as well so you know
0: yeah if it's something they can't yeah. handle or they don't know enough about it of course there, there's so many resources and i think that it's super important anxiety drives me crazy and i know where i need to reach out and i have a lot of friends that we we do do like the swaps that you talk about and I know where I can find the help when I need it. So it's always very important and self-care. And like you were saying, getting out. I mean, even if you just go sit on your porch and drink a coffee, the sunshine Mm. and getting your blood flowing and just something about Mm. like fresh air outside of your house that you've been sitting in for days. Yes. Yeah. It makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah. I have clients and, you know, I always push for them to at least get out and walk around the block. But if if you can't walk, I mean, I have terrible feet. So walking is not the greatest thing for me, but you're right. I mean, just sitting outside. I have some clients. I'm like, just sit on the porch. Seriously, just sit on the porch for 30 minutes every day. You know, you're getting some vitamin D and it allows you to just kind of see there's a world outside of your house.
0: Yep. Watch you know? cars drive past, just something. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Even
1: you know, if your kids playing, I mean, whatever, just it reminds you that there are other people in the world. It's not just you alone in this.
0: Yeah. And the problems are probably a lot smaller. You'll look back at them and be like, man, I was overreacting to a lot of that stuff. Right. <laughs> so like knowing that those deployments are coming up and they're, they're super stressful, but then it's like, well, like I was saying before, I get super anxious when it's before it happens. And then once it's already happening, you're like, oh, well actually I can handle this. Cause <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. It's life as normal, just doing a little bit of the extra work. So mm. it's, you get through it. You get through it. Um, the other topic, of course, is uh, depression. And that's kind of the flip coin to that anxious makes you kind of wired and depression just makes it so you don't want to do anything. So you can kind of tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Sure. Yeah. And actually, a lot of people who are suffering with anxiety also have depression. A lot of times, they're very closely knit together. So it's, it's kind of like, like you say, one side of the same coin, I always tell people, you know, they're kind of working together or they're working against each other. You know, for some people, as their anxiety increases, their depression increases. For other people, as their anxiety increases, their depression decreases. And so there's no real like blueprint to go, yep, that's how it's going to go. It really varies from person to person. Outside of anxiety, depression, of course, is the next most diagnosed uh, mental health disorder in the United States. And it comes in so many different forms and it can be hard to recognize sometimes I think with anxiety, the hard part is figuring out, is this stress or is this anxiety? With depression, it's figuring out, okay, is this sadness or me being lazy or is this depression?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And typically the rule of thumb is how long it lasts. And of course, it's more complex than just being sad or whatever. You know, I can go through the list of, of symptoms. I don't think any of us need us to do that. Most of us have a good idea of what depression is, but I think it's important going back to that self-care thing. It's, that's a big part of this too it's real easy to sit in your house and start, you know, focusing in on all the problems. Mm -hmm. It's real easy to start getting sad and real easy to start getting discouraged and frustrating and seeing all that's ahead of you. And then you get, you know, that lack of motivation and you start being sad because you're all by yourself and you're alone in this. Like, it's just there again, it's that spiraling thought process that sort of carries you down into that depression. Um, But again, there's so many resources available you know, having friends that you can lean on and be like, you know what, I'm really struggling right now. I need to get out and do something that takes my mind off of everything else that's going on. And of course, inevitably things are going to go wrong, especially, you know, we're talking about like with deployments, there's always going to be something that gets in the way. There's going to be something that happens that has, you didn't have on your right to do, Um, you know, and so that can kind of spiral you into that depression as well, because the anxiety gets so high that then you're, (laughs) you're kind of crashing at night. And sort of throwing your hands up in the air and going, I give up. And then you don't have that motivation to do all the things that need to get done. And, but the big part of all of that is just making sure you're taking care of yourself. And we don't often talk enough about the importance of eating right. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the best ways that we can, you know, combat all of these mental illnesses is to make sure we're eating properly. What a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, if you're eating junk, or if you're eating not enough calories, you know, the parts of your brain that are gonna get the nutrients are those that are gonna keep your heart pumping, keep your blood moving, in other words, keep you breathing, like bare minimum survival here, you know, okay. just keeping you alive, not keeping you thriving. So the la- rational thinking part of your brain is kind of the last to get those nutrients. And so it's really important For us to make sure that we're eating right, especially when we're going through these stressful times, because those are tending, those tend to be the times when we don't, those, those are the ones that we're kind of scraping by and we eat when we have a spare minute. Mm -hmm. And when we eat, when we have a spare minute, it's just kind of whatever we can find to shove in our face, which Which obviously worse. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's a whole lot worse. Yeah, because it's not the healthy stuff. So, you know, trying to plan ahead for that. I mean, obviously it's, it's difficult at times, but, you know, making sure you've always got like spinach baby spinach in the fridge is a really easy thing to pull out of a bag, throw in a bowl and, you know, throw baby some carrots, chicken.
0: Out. Yeah. Like anything, just things you can anything. snack. Yeah.
1: Anything. And it, it's easy, but it's healthier than just grabbing like a slice of pizza mm-hmm. because you're getting those greens in. Um, help leafy green vegetables are great when we're talking about um, nutrition and, and what our brains need to really function well and sleep, you know, depression is one of those things where you either sleep too much or you don't sleep at all. Anxiety, of course, we typically don't sleep at all. Like you're up all night, kind of your brain won't turn off. Depression can do that too but it it tends to be one or the other. So you're either sleeping way too much or you're sleeping way too little. Either way.
0: Especially with, I think with deployments, maybe not so much if you have kids, but if you don't have kids and you're on your own, you get to this point where you just don't have a schedule at all. If you're not working and then you're staying up and binging shows until three in the morning and then you're sleeping until three in the afternoon, it's like, you're you're not letting your body get the daylight. You're not letting your body live on some sort of routine where it knows what's coming next. And I think that that's, those are the people that actually suffer from it more, I think, than the families is because they can just spiral into doing nothing, laying on the couch all day and eating junk food because they're only feeding themselves. And it's mm-hmm. a lot easier as a parent to make sure you're still eating healthy because your kids still need to be eating healthy. You put them first, of course. So, And they're going to make sure you get out of the bed. Cause they're- <laughs> yeah, you have to get out of bed, right? You have to still go to practice. You still have to get and do everything throughout the summer. So I think that it kind of plays that way, that the anxiety kind of hits the, the parents a little bit more. And then the depression kind of works with within the families that are like just single spouses back at home where they don't have as much going on. Um, I know my schedule is just so busy that I don't have a chance to really slip into being too depressed during deployments because we're just going and going and going. But
1: And, and that's a, a big key though, too. I mean, if you were to wake up tomorrow and you just, just felt like you physically couldn't drag yourself out of bed... Or you barely were able to drag yourself out of bed, that could be a red flag for you that you know what? There might be some depression going on because this is not something you typically struggle with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think that's an important thing that people need to realize too is that anytime there's something that's drastically different like that, if you're sleeping way more than you typically do, if you're sleeping a whole lot less than you typically do, if you notice that you're not being able to kind of motivate yourself to do the things that you normally have, like, If you don't enjoy the things that you used to enjoy, if you used to enjoy going for a run around the neighborhood and now you can't even, you know, bring yourself to go outside the door, that's a big red flag that there's probably some depression going on. And that goes back to, like we were talking about earlier, you know, leaning on your support system Also leaning on the medical community, you know, leaning on counselors in the area where you are. And the great thing about this whole pandemic, I think, for both clinicians and for clients is that we're not bound by a physical location anymore. Now, there's certain caveats to that, of course, like I'm licensed in Georgia. I'm only allowed to counsel people who are here in Georgia, but they're working to change that. There's a a push right now um, within several states. Georgia actually passed it maybe a week or two ago. They're trying to form sort of like this alliance among several states. And I think that's going to be very beneficial for military families in particular, because I can tell you so many clients that I've had through the years that we would be working together and then they have to move to a different state. And I I
0: never thought about that. Yeah, that's going to be really hard. Like, especially if you grow very close to a counselor that you're working with to just have to start over and have to find, I mean, I've heard stories of people having to go through three or four counselors before they find someone that fits and just have to start over could just... I feel like it could really derail you if you were making progress.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a really tough thing. I mean, especially when a lot of military families are only in one location for a year or two, Mm -hmm. you know, so you're not going to, usually you're so busy getting settled that first six months is out. You might decide to call a counselor at that point, or you might be like, Oh, I'm doing okay. And so then you don't call a counselor for another six months. By the time you do that, you may only have eight months, if that to work with a counselor And sometimes that's enough and sometimes it's not, you know, so yeah, it's a really big issue. And it's one that I'm very, very well aware of because I've worked with many clients trying to find them another clinician where they're going because I don't want them to feel like I'm abandoning them. And that's a a lot of times that's kind of how I feel like I need to help them get to that next place. Like I don't want them to stop the progress that they've made. I don't want them to grow stagnant. I want them to keep going. And so I'm hopeful, hopeful that this bill will continue to pass in the states that it's being proposed. I don't have the full list, but if that's something that you're interested in and you would like to support, it would be a great thing. I think you guys are going to be the, the greatest beneficiary of that.
0: Yeah. And I think also your support system is really important, uh, especially if you know that you possibly have already dealt with depression, you know, that this time coming up during a deployment is going to be a struggle for you where you could just say, I have this really good friend, whether you have kids or not, but every Thursday I'm going to have lunch with them. And then that way they're checking in on you. If you you cancel Mm -hmm. a Thursday, unless you have like a ballot, you know, something came up, but like. Mm -hmm if you're canceling Thursday after Thursday, that hopefully that friend is going to come over and be like, what is going on, right? Not just let you like soak in the depression yourself, but be like, you really need to talk to somebody. You need, we need to get you going because if you don't have someone that's watching out what's happening, I mean, your spouse is so far away. They can, you could fake, you can fake it, right? Like you can fake, oh yeah, everything's great. Everything's fine. But you need to have somebody local that is like actually listening to what's going on in your life, so.
1: Absolutely. I I love that idea of having a regular check in with somebody that you care about. And it forces you to get out of the house. I mean, (laughs) you know, even if you're just going to their house to have coffee, it's forcing you to get out of their house out of your house and go and meet with somebody. And, you know, with depression, it tends to be very isolating. So people tend to kind of close off and they tend to cancel plans like you're talking about. So having that, that check-in, I think is a great idea and it's a great form of self-care because not only hopefully will it help you prevent you from getting into that space where you're feeling so alone and so isolated, but it's also, a like you say, a double check. Yeah. So if you, who
0: doesn't feel better, you know, after talking to your friend for an hour, even if you just talk about the TV show, you've been binging all week, like you just feel so much better every time. And that's so important.
1: It's so important. And I think, You know, one thing that we don't talk about enough, I think as adults is the fact that friendships really take work.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, as kids, we kind of, friends are just kind of built into sort of the the system that we live in, right? There's friends at school, there's friends in the neighborhood, there's friends, you know, you have cousins and stuff in the family. It's just kind of built in. But when you're an adult, if there are not people that you're working with that are friends and even then they're work friends, Real friendship takes work. And so you need that. You need that somebody that every, you know, even if it's not every week, every couple of weeks Mm -hmm. you're checking in and maybe you have several friends and you sort of create this network for yourself. So every week you're having lunch with somebody.
0: Yeah. Having something scheduled Mm -hmm. to do and just knowing that it's coming up is really important. It's something to count down Mm -hmm. to. We've talked about countdowns a lot. And uh, another thing like that is setting a goal for yourself can help like keep you, uplifted right like to kind of keep you oh if I get through two more weeks I get to go have a massage but I just have to be sure you know get through it like it's hard to get through things and to have that goal or set a weight you know like I want to lose 20 pounds while he's gone and then you have that goal where you're pushing yourself to do something every day and being active which is always you know super good for Mm -hmm. your body
1: absolutely and that's a great way to keep working too is if you've got a friend you can call and be like hey let's go for a walk you know, so you're there again, you're getting out and you've got somebody that's kind of holding you accountable to sort of meet with them on a regular basis and you're moving, you know, so all of those things are good for your mental health. It's a, it's kind of the trifecta, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> you you're kind of check in all the boxes to make sure you're getting your self-care in, in all the ways that you need to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's really important. And, I, you know, there again, going back to the medication piece, if all these things aren't working and, you know, you, you either seek a counselor and you feel like you're not getting better, um, a good counselor is going to be able to say, you know what, I think it's time we're going to medic- you know, try some medication. And sometimes, I mean, right now, counselors are super busy. This is an unprecedented season. Sadly, COVID has been great for the counseling business. And that's unfortunate, obviously. I mean, I don't like that. But it's been good because we're so busy. You know, that's the way we make our living. But if you call them to try to get an appointment with a counselor, you can be waiting a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your depression may be so severe, you can't wait a few weeks. And that I think is when your doctor needs to probably be kind of your next line of defense. You know, they can put you on something mild. And even though you won't see, you know, maximum results for a few weeks, it may be just enough to get you through.
0: Right. And yeah. that, that's all it means. I mean, you need to be able to function you can't spend your weeks doing nothing you should be able to, your life still goes on like I know that it's hard to be separated from them and you kind of want to pause your life but you really shouldn't do that you should be still have something to work towards you should get a job if that's what it takes I know that my first deployment um, I was really young and again I we were stationed in Hawaii so it was, I was super isolated obviously from my normal friends and family I just gotten married and I had to get a job, I didn't love the job, but it was something where I had something to report to every day. I had a reason to get up and get out of the house. So even if it's some adding that type of thing to your life where it maybe adds a little stress, but it's better to keep your heart going, you know, trying to like trade off versus just not doing anything. So.
1: And it, it gives you a, a purpose. And I think that's what a lot of times we we end up lacking is what's the purpose. And I think, especially as military spouses, you guys, struggle with identity a lot mm-hmm. because your identity is sort of grounded in your husband and his career, whether you want it to be or not, that's just the way it kind of comes out sometimes. And so as you move from place to place, it can be hard to kind of figure out again, okay, who am I again? Yes. And so having a job, keeping a schedule, doing things that you enjoy, I think is a really important part of keeping your identity intact,
0: yeah. you know, mm-hmm.
1: especially if you have kids.
0: And especially if you can find a job that um, is like across the country, you know, something where you you could transfer and it comes with you, which is really nice to have that identity that's flexible and stays with you. Or I know a lot of them end up being hairstylists. Um, There's a lot of jobs that are very easily transferred photographers and stuff. So that's something where you can look into finding a job that specifically allows you to have your identity and stays with you throughout the entire military career that you're part of.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, you guys, I know kids make it a little harder, but, you know, you have lots of opportunities that you can go and and get training in, in doing just about anything. And I think that's a great thing for you guys. I mean, you know, vocational schools, tech schools have a lot of careers that are transferable like that that can move with you. And there are shorter programs. So, you know, it could be a certificate program, which can be, you know, just a few months up to like 18 months to 24 months but you can carry it with you. And then if you, you know, decide that you want to do something deeper in whatever that is, if you love it, you can always do more later. And online school now is such a big thing. What a blessing has that been for the military community? Because yeah. you know you can be at school anywhere and you don't have to like up and change schools when you move. You can kind of keep yourself going all the way through. So portable now versus where we were you know, even 10 years ago. But yeah, I think a big part of that is just that goes back to that whole self-care piece, you know, remembering who you are, whether your husband is here or not, remembering that you have a place in this world, you have a purpose. And it's important that you're working toward that, that you're fulfilling that and that you feel content in your own skin, no matter what else is going on outside the world. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, especially I think as moms, we sort of lose our identity when we start having kids that's not necessarily a bad thing because I don't think in reality, we lose our identity. We just kind of have to figure out what's next, finding this new space because we sort of have defined ourselves in this sort of box, you know, all these years. And then all of a sudden we have this little person who's totally and completely clinging to us <laughs> and dependent on us for all things. And it's like, wait a minute, how did I get here? What
0: happened? For me, it kind of paused. Yeah. Until they kind of were able to do preschool type activities where they're a little bit more flexible and that I was able to pick up where I wanted to go with my life, which ended up bringing me to starting Deployed Love, which is really exciting and kind of was, it gave me more time to reflect on myself because I had, used to be a photographer and it, it was okay, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted to be doing. And I didn't really enjoy having to charge people and having to deal with like how, you know, taxes and all that. That's not what I, I enjoy doing. And so I had worked for Deployed Love to start with just as a photographer when we first started out and. Then I was like, you know what, this is actually, I like the event because I like being there and meeting the spouses and being somebody that they can reach out to no matter what's going on. So that's, that's kind of why we grew into where we have these social events because just the holiday minis, you come, you get your pictures and you leave, but we wanted it to be where they stayed around and talk to other spouses that are going through deployment, especially at Christmas time. Like that is oh. not fun. We did that last Christmas and Christmas is hard because they go and they go to their families and you kind of feel like you got forgotten. And you're kind of mm-hmm. just on your own for trying to get through holidays and through like memories and making sure your kids are still having a really good time. So I know Christmas is a really struggle. And so for us mm-hmm. to be able to give back during that time was, is huge to me to just be able to like reach out and hug somebody. I know that one of the events, um, I think it was two years ago, I had this girl showed up and She was just crying. And you could just tell that she'd had a really bad morning. She was trying to get the kids ready, wanted to be there on time. And it was just a matter of like, Hey, I'm going to come around and hug you. Like I get it. Like you need a hug right now. And we want to be there for you. So that's kind of why we want, if you can't find that in your unit, you can't find that in your neighbors. I mean, not all neighborhoods are great. Right. So if you can't, that's why we have our events. That's why we try to be as active as possible, try to get out into the community and, So you can find other military spouses who are going through just rough times. It can be so rough. So
1: I love what you guys are doing. I think it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, the holidays tend to be hard for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so when you bring all those people who holidays are typically hard for anyway, and then you add on that extra layer of their spouse not being home for Christmas and you're trying to do everything and make everything perfect for your family, It adds a whole nother layer of that anxiety and that depression kind of working against each other and together again. And the winter months tend to be harder anyway. You know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the rest of the country as much as I do here, but we see seasonal affective disorder even here in Georgia. And here it's not so much the cold, it's just the dreary and the wet. And it is cold for us. It's just the dreary and the wet days. It's just gray all the time. And, you know, there, I have so many clients who like from November to February, we just know it's going to be tough. We just know that, you know, and so there again, as you move to different places, if you know that you've got, you know, a certain time of the year that's tough for you, go ahead and let people know, you know, reach out to those people that you can trust and that you, you know, you can lean on and be just like, you know, I know that November to February is going to be a really hard time for me. You know, what can we do? To kind of get me through that would you be willing to like let keep my kids for me one day a week or you know can we have a cookout once a month or just something to kind of have that support network surrounding you during that time you know it's going to be difficult yeah, kind of planning think,
0: for it you know? yeah having things planned especially in the winter because you it is it is isolation and a lot of that is because of the weather, because mm-hmm. if it's snowing, nobody's there, people are going to cancel plans. And if it's something you're really looking forward to, you need to make sure you have that someone that's going to be reliable for that, that they're not like, uh, you know, it's snowing. I don't want to come out that they're still going to be like, yeah, yeah, let's, we'll just go do it at the house. We'll have coffee or mm-hmm. just to keep yourself around people because it is super hard. Um, once people start talking about their family's Thanksgiving and they're showing pictures mm-hmm. and everybody's hugging and you're like. I'm by myself at my house. I couldn't afford to go home. Like, and I mean, last year with COVID, you just, you didn't go home. So you were just kind of by yourself. So find the Friendsgiving, find somebody else who's going through deployment and plan that stuff. Have a sleepover for Christmas if that's what it gets you through the next morning so that you have someone there. I know just coming from like the personal experience, it was hard this last year and it was... Mm -hmm. I was very glad to have the few friends that we did that we had Christmas, they brought us over for lunch for Christmas. And that was really unexpected too. She kind of called us a couple days before. I think she could kind of tell that I was struggling. I met her. She's one of my best friends. We met in MOPS as well. So she kind of told that I was just struggling with Christmas coming up and had been talking about it on Facebook about, oh, well, I don't know what we're going to do for dinner. And she last minute called us up and she's like, hey, we're going to, we had other plans, but we're just going to have a small dinner and we want you guys to come join us. And I mean, that meant the world to me to have, mm-hmm. just our kids had that moment where they're like, yeah, when I mean, they got to show their toys to each other and hang out and they were just really happy and it made me really happy. So
1: yeah, that sounds so very sweet. And I think that's a really important thing to remember too, is just being willing to plan. You know, we oftentimes will see people and be like, oh, I'm going to call you. We need to call each other. We need to get together. Don't do that. So, okay let, when are we gonna get together yeah, let's put it yeah. on our phone yeah <laughs> you know, go ahead and get it down get it scheduled because we all have the best of intentions but that hey i'm gonna give you a call turns into a year later you run into them again and you never gave them a call
0: mm-hmm.
1: time you goes know, so and then- fast
0: it really does you don't even know what's happening so yeah it does and just and so be the, also be friend. that friend to someone else like if you know yes. that someone you live near is going to be going through a deployment or you know that they're even if you're not in the military but you know that your neighbor is be that friend be like hey you know mm-hmm. next tuesday i don't work can i i'll take your kids for a couple hours go do something offer mm-hmm. it to people because that that it alone makes a huge difference um because a lot of people don't like to ask for help so mm-hmm. if you know that you can offer help without them having to come to you um that's a huge, yeah, that's I'll huge.
1: Also say. If somebody comes to you and offers you help, take Take it. Yeah, Because I think so many times we're so bogged down in trying to not need people Mm -hmm. that we end up kind of self-sabotaging. And I'm not saying trust everybody. I totally get it. I'm very protective of my children. You teach your kids how to be safe, right? My kid, I've got a 15-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a six-year-old now. My 15-year-old, when he was 10, is when he started spending the night off. that's different for every family but that was what we the rule we made if it was not family he had to be 10 when he spent at that point he was old enough he understood how to use a phone he knew how to text he had a simple phone that he only got when he spent the night away from home and he knew that if at any point in time something went wrong all he had to do was text me and i'd come right down and get him Mm -hmm. you know so i think you just have to teach your kids sort of how to look out for each other and how to take care of each other so you can have that flexibility so that when somebody offers help, you feel a little bit better about letting them help.
0: Yeah. And I know it's hard. help can come in a lot of different ways. I mean, I'm very, very independent, especially when it comes to like my yard work, like I will break my back to do the yard work myself. But one year when um, we had talked to our neighbors telling, you know, Dustin's going to be out of town for a while, just so you know, to keep a heads up. And he mow my yard and it was so hard to take, like, allow him to do that because I'm like, Oh, I can do that. I could do that. It's just fine. He's like, but I'm already mowing my yard. Like why, why wouldn't I just mow your yard? So it and comes in a him. lot of different ways. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's him taking one of the things off of your plate.
0: Mm-hmm. And you it, like he was saying, it literally did nothing for, you know, it took him 10 more minutes to come over and mow our front yard for us. So mm-hmm. I'll let people do it. I know it's, it's hard to just be like, Oh no, 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 no. I can, I can do that. It's like,
1: Oh. and you know, if you've got a friend that has a baby and like just had a baby, because I know the military is kind of weird with all that stuff. I mean, your husband might be home. He might not be home. Mm-hmm. You know that when you're back in the trenches and you're taking care of the kids and you've got a new baby on the horizon, if a friend comes over and wants to do laundry, let her. Let her if she wants dishes, to, la- yeah. let her, let her clean up the kitchen, let her dust your furniture. Like, let her do the things. Don't, don't be all
0: prideful and be like, nope, nope. I got it. I got it. I got it. No,
1: let your friend
0: take care of you. Yeah, she's not trying to offend you. She's just trying mm. to take something that, you know, because you take on so much stuff. And mm. I think with, uh, something I was just kind of thinking about now with the anxiety too, is taking it one day at a time too, is a huge, like, mm. look at your, don't sit and sit and plan because I'm a huge planner. I have planners, calendars everywhere around my house. Mm. But the, I think a lot of that's what causes my anxiety. Cause I'm like, what are we doing this day? What are we doing that day where if I'm like, oh, tomorrow we have Nothing. We actually have nothing this day. Let's enjoy the nothingness and not worry about what I'm doing on Friday, not worrying about what's coming up on Saturday, being aware of those things. But like just today, we're going to not turn the computer on. We're not going to sit at the desk. We're just going to, we don't need to, you know, like just take each day.
1: Right. And not being overzealous with what you can accomplish in a
0: day, too. Yeah. Don't over schedule yourself. That doesn't ever (laughs) help anybody. No,
1: all it does is leave you feeling defeated at the end of the day because you didn't get everything marked off your list. Mm -hmm. I like to tell people like, pick three things. Pick three things that you know you can get done in that day. And then you might have some things that you know are going to take you more than a day to do. You can add those to the end, but do the three things you know you can get done today so you feel accomplished and then get started on the other thing. You don't have to finish it. Just get started on it. Even if it's just you pull the things out and you look at them and go, "Yep, I can do this tomorrow." <laughs> you know, it's just one thing. You don't have to finish it all just because it's on your list for today. Most of the time, it can wait till tomorrow. Yeah, there are things sure. always, but most of the time, it can wait until tomorrow. And so, if you roll around and you've, you're having a really bad day, don't do the things that don't have to be done that day. Don't feel the pressure to have to get it all done. Mm-hmm. It will wait.
0: It just will think end. of yeah thinking of the three things that will i feel successful if i do these three things that could be w- taking a shower finishing the dishes and you know reading a book that like, you could put Absolutely. reading a book or something that's your self-care on your list of things that you need to do because you should you should schedule that out for me it's um when he's deployed I always schedule I think it's like Thursdays or whatever where I'm like I'm gonna do a face mask I'm gonna get in the tub and I'm gonna turn on music and I'm not gonna read I'm not gonna like do anything else my phone stays across the room um to me that that's that helps me just be just being and it can't multitask you can't multitask if you're in a bathtub right so it's nice to just be like here we are this is what I'm gonna do for the next 30 minutes an hour whatever.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important that you you sort of model that for your children too, if you have kids, mm-hmm. you know, they need to learn the importance of self-care too. Um, there was a, a video several years ago that Mops put out and it was a woman and she was kind of touting the importance of, um, I can't remember if she called it quiet time or downtime, but basically it was like the kids come home from school and everybody has kind of a time out in their room, you know, and they're not allowed to come out of the room. And that was the time that she used to sort of, take care of herself she was able to craft during that time and that was sort of refueled her to get ready to then get everybody else through the evening
0: I love that especially Mm -hmm. as your kids start to get older mine are six and nine now and that's something that we could definitely implement in our house or like hey you need to go read you can draw you can play with your toys but you stay you know let mom have a few minutes where I know that it's coming up I don't have to do chores I don't have to think about Mm -hmm. cooking dinner I think that's super important type thing to start teaching your kids
1: yeah. And you can set a timer, you know, figure out what, what time works for you. I mean, some kids, I mean, even at eight and six, I think 15 minutes might be a stretch. <laughs> yeah, for but, sure. you, know, you can work them up to 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how old your kids are and, you know, what they're able to tolerate. And I mean, some kids are better at that than others, but it's, it's a skill. And so as they get more used to it, you can expand that time. And I mean, we have Alexis in the house, you know, you can set Alexa for a timer. Alexa, go off in 30 minutes or whatever. Yeah. And so the kids know they have to stay in their rooms until that timer goes on. And so even if, because I hear so many times, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. That's really not the, the answer. The answer is you're not making the time for it. You know, we can all find 10 minutes. If you can find 10 minutes to do a little self-care, the payoff is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. 10 minutes.
0: And Teaching your kids that skill, like explaining it not as like a timeout away from mom, but like a, Hey, you can reflect, you can have this time to just be by yourself and think about what you want to talk about and things that happened at school or just, Mm -hmm. it's good for them to learn how to do that because so many people don't learn how to cope with situations on their own. And then you move out after high school and you're by yourself at college and you find yourself, that's another huge place where that depression just spirals out of control because- you don't know how to handle it. You don't know how to treat yourself well. You're just, yeah. So I think it's super important to teach that to your kids at this age.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, the bonus is you get some alone time,
0: <laughs> yeah, which is never yeah. a bad thing, <laughs> even it's if you never just bend your show, you know, because sometimes that's, <laughs> that's my big thing. The kids take over the TV throughout the week. And then it's like, oh, I don't going to watch any TV because by the time they're in bed, I'm like, it's time for me to go to bed. So
1: right. we're yeah. so exhausted by the end of the day. We don't take the time then. Um, But yeah, I think it's really important I, you know, I always tell people, if you don't have 10 minutes to spare in a day, you're too busy. You need to cut some things out. I mean, that's just period. If you don't have 10 minutes, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. And because nobody can do that but you. And realistically, most of us waste a lot of time, a lot of time,
0: particularly on phones. I find myself wasting a lot of time. So,
1: I mean, you know, i I'm the world's worst. I'll pick up my phone to text somebody, and before I text the person, I check Facebook because I had a message, or I'll see an email. My <laughs> email, and then I'm going, wait, what was I supposed to be doing again? And you know, twenty minutes have passed, and I still haven't done what I picked up. My phone to actually
0: Right? Yeah, I do that all the time. So.
1: Um, but yeah, I think we, you know, we just have to make it a priority. That self care is so important. You have to make it a priority, knowing mm-hmm. that it is affecting your mental health and. Something, you know, going back to teaching our kids the importance of self-care, our mental health is reflected in them. They, when we are anxious, they feel it. Mm -hmm. We teach them how to respond to the world around them. And so if we are anxious in the world, they will be anxious in the world. And so it's, it's important that we sort of take care of ourselves and that we recognize that and go, oh, oh, you know what? I need to take a step back. I feel myself getting anxious. I need to calm down. I need to, you know, I need a rest. I need to take maybe a break. If you don't
0: realize it in yourself. If you start noticing that stuff in your kids, maybe you do need to look at yourself and be like, whoa, like, why is she reacting this way to situations? It's probably because mm-hmm. she's seen you react to it that way too. So,
1: Absolutely. I mean, kids learn from us in every way. Like more than you learn know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just little sponges. They watch us even when we don't know they're watching. Mm-hmm. You know, They listen even when we don't know they're listening they feel the tension in our body just by being in the room with us. I mean, you forget, you know, they shared a heartbeat with us, right? Mm-hmm. They, they know us. And so all of those things affect them. Our depression affects them. And, you know, thinking about depression, one of the, one of the things that we know too, is if you grow up in a home where it's a very volatile environment, if it's a traumatic environment—if there is violence, if there is abuse—and that's not just physical abuse, but emotional, and verbal, um, sexual abuse—there's a greater likelihood of someone being depressed as an adult. Um, we know that when we're children, you know, the neuroplasticity of the brain—the brain is learning how to function in the environment—and so when there's repeated trauma, repeated, you know, sadness, your brain begins to function at that lower level. And so over time, it learns that that's the normal. And so then as an adult, you, your brain doesn't know how to then do things the right way and release chemicals the right way. And so that's where a lot of people do have to have medication in order to really regulate the release of those chemicals, just like a heart pill. You know, I, I always tell people, you know, we don't, we wouldn't tell somebody not to take a heart pill to regulate their heartbeat. Why would we tell somebody not to take an antidepressant or an anxiety drug to help them regulate the chemical release in their brain. It doesn't make any sense. But that's something to remember. You know, the environment that you're living in now is going to impact the way your kids approach the world later. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're creating the blueprint for them now. And how do you react to
0: that? Especially, yeah, with you know deployments coming up and stuff. It could be traumatic for them if you're not talking about your feelings, you're not talking, letting them openly talk about what they're thinking about and how they feel about situations. Um, If you're shutting them down at any of those opportunities, because it hurts to talk about, then they're going to just learn that, you know, every time dad left, it sucked. And they're going to continuously think about that throughout their life. So just, I think just learning to talk about your feelings and letting kids know that it's okay. Like, it's okay to have those feelings.
1: Yes. I mean, it's okay. I mean, I'm sure you've ran the gamut of emotions every deployment. You probably get angry, you get sad, you get frustrated, you get <laughs> anxious, you get sad again, you get angry again, you get frustrated. You, I mean, it's just this never ending cycle of all these emotions that sort of just come at you because of all the things that you deal with with every deployment. Your kids are feeling all those things too. And so, you know, and I'm sure that there are times that they act out. I mean, my kids act out and we don't move all the time. but when there's anything stressful going on, our kids act out. They don't know, they don't have the words oftentimes to really say, you know what, I'm angry or I'm sad or I'm frustrated or I'm worried. They don't have the words to really put with those emotions yet, but by opening the door and talking to them about how you're feeling, you're inviting them to then examine their own feelings and helping them put words to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Helping beautiful, them beautiful, right? Like that's just amazing to let them have those feelings and be able to express them as, and as they grow up, that'll that'll change their lives. I mean, that's really amazing.
1: Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I mean, there are a lot of times I'll work with couples and typically there's one, uh, you know, one of the spouses that just doesn't know how to feel. I mean, they know how to feel, but they don't know how to put names with things. They don't know how to talk about how they're feeling. They know they're upset, but they, they can't put words to it. And I mean, I've, it's a very helpful tool. And, and this is something you can do with your kids too. You know, they have color um, charts that are emotions. You know, a lot of times kids can't tell you the words, but they can tell you a color. And that's a really powerful thing. It's really cool how it plays out when you say, well, what color are you feeling? Because it sounds so bizarre, right? We would never describe our feelings as a color, like because we're adults and we know words, uh-huh. but it's a really useful tool because your kid might say, I'm feeling blue or I'm, I'm green. And you look at the color wheel and you go, okay, well, let's go through these words. And inevitably they're going to go, yes, that's something Aww, like, I like that. it's bizarre, but it works. And so you know, that's something that you can have it and have to, and you can find those online. They're super easy. You can just look up, you know, color wheel of emotions or um, a feeling chart. Most feeling charts have colors. Um, and it's kind of a cool, it's kind of cool the way our brains work that way. I've used it even with adults, because like I said, a lot of times adults don't even have the words because they weren't really taught how to do that as children. And so it allows them a space then to be able to, okay, now let's explore those emotions. Let's really look at what, what that means because they can do it too. I mean, you know, you ask them color, I feel yellow. Okay, well, let's look at yellow. And immediately they're going, oh, yes, that's exactly what yeah. um, it, i It's, I don't know why it works, but it works. I'm sure there's probably something neurological about it, but you know, it's kind of like in, you know, the movie Inside Out, you know, where they've all got their little assigned little people. It's kind of like that, but it's colors and it just works. And so that's a great tool. If you're trying to help your kids sort of be able to identify those feelings that's a very easy tool to use and something that they might be able to really relate to, especially if you've got children that are learning their colors, you know, yeah,
0: like it's and- helpful too. <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, any of the resources we've talked about tonight, I will make sure we get all the links to that stuff in our show notes. We'll work together, to get all that together. Um, did you have any kind of final thoughts that you wanted to just kind of cover how we, what we've covered throughout the whole episode?
1: I don't think so. I think, you know, at the end of the day, the, the biggest takeaway I want uh, all of all of you military spouses to know is that there's support out there for you. And if, if you're feeling alone, please reach out for help. Um, there's so many resources available. There's so many people within your units and within the communities that you're a part of It would love nothing more than to love on you and to be there for you and support you. Please don't do this alone. Please reach out for help, get that neighborhood, get that support network around you to support you and love you through this stuff. And more importantly, thank you so much for your service because I do recognize that it's not just your husbands or your wives who are out there serving. It's you, you know, you are the ones who are staying at home and taking care of the things and taking care of the kids. And, you know, you're single moms without being single you do the hard work day in and day out. And so I want you to remember, you don't have to be alone. There are people that will be willing to help. So don't, don't hesitate to reach out for help.
0: Yeah. Depression, anxiety, it can get you if you let it. So making sure that you, when you notice something's wrong, that you do reach out for help and finding someone to do that. So we really appreciate you coming on O'Donna It's been really, really nice talking to you this evening and, um, If you guys want to reach out to her as well, I'm sure that that's a great resource as well. So we'll make sure everything is linked. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Ruck Up Buttercup. So we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Bye.